Everybody ready? Come on, let's go. Yo, what's up? Welcome to the show. I'm Rick Thorne, your host. Uh, This episode is going to be all about punk rock, baby, because that's what we do. I got my good homie, um, lead singer of Death by Stereo and Voodoo Glow Skulls, Ephraim Martinez Schultz. What's up, brother? What are you doing? What up, my brother? I'm chilling here in Orange County. I'm actually sitting right outside of uh, Buzz Bomb Studios, where Death by Stereo has made many records. Yeah. Wait, what studio is that? called Buzz Bomb. It's in Orange County, and it's owned by Paul Miner, our original bass player who left the band to become a producer, and he's been quite successful with it, and I'm really proud of him, man. He produces records for anyone from Newfound Glory to Lisa Loeb to, you know, The Adolescents. I mean, you name it, he does it. He would actually be a rad guy for you to work with, my brother. Yeah, hook it up, dude. Come on, good guys absolutely. in black. We need that. You know, we need. Every, you know how this grind is with music. You know, the, oh, absolutely. Yeah, the crazy thing about music is, is people don't see the all the hard work. They just see you come out and they're like, "Oh, who's this guy? Who did this guy come oh, from?" Oh, dude, right? Yeah, where'd that come you know, from? I came from like years of grinding, bro. What's up? Where you been? Exactly. Like people really don't see it, and and, and it's funny. People, when you're when you are a musician or a uh, true music lover, people don't really understand the deep connection you have with it, and and that the connection never stops. Because it's kind of like, you know, maybe a person might get into a certain band, and then you know a couple years later they're on to their next thing, and they run into you and they go, "Hey man, you guys are still doing that?" And I'm like, "Yeah man, just because you stopped listening doesn't mean that I stopped playing." Totally. Yeah. Like you, you know got. What I mean? You guys still doing that? Like, no, we we decided to quit when you stopped listening, homie. Totally, dude. And uh, uh, you know, dude, it's just as you know, it it it, it it's like we're always trying to. And you've done this throughout your career, dude. With BMX, with, with your bike, dude. Like, you're always looking to attain the supreme or to find the next level of what you're doing. How how to get your craft, what you're hearing in your head, to come out of your mouth. You know what I mean? And it never ends, and I think that's the beautiful part about it, that we, both of us, we're going to be chasing that for the rest of our lives. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I mean, you have to constantly, you know, I, I've said this before over and over, is you have to reinvent yourself, but also, too, you got nothing to lose when you don't have a name. Once you have a name, you have a lot more to lose and live up to because then people want to, you know, talk shit. They want to say, oh, you ain't this, you ain't that. They start comparing. They get jealous. That's when the real roller coaster ride comes in. It's a whole nother kind of roller coaster, you know? Absolutely. And, and as, 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 you know, as a songwriter, like, I, I, heard, I heard Brett Kerwitz of Bad Religion say something that totally spoke to me and made sense because, you know, once you have a name, you have something to lose. He was saying... In the, in the instance of Bad Religion, I remember they had made all these records, and then they came out with the Generator album, which sounded different from a lot of their records. And to me, it was still Bad Religion. But I know it was their writing was evolving, and they were becoming such incredible songwriters. And he said, you know, if I was to make the same record again, everybody would say, 
oh man, everything you do sounds like the first record. He says, but then I made a different record, and everybody just says, oh man, I'm really only into their first record. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like a, you, you can't win. It's all about pursuing this, this love for yourself, and, and if it connects with other people, even better, which is incredible. And, you know, we, music goes in waves, and, and I feel like, as you know, and with the music scene, there's been years where it's been up, and there's been years where it's been down. But no matter what, we stick to our guns, and we do what we love, and we express ourselves, and we lay all our feelings out on the table. You can step on them, or you can embrace them, but I'm still going to lay them out there. I'm not going to change who I am. I'm going to live this way for the rest of my life, poor, rich, whatever, because without this music or this expression, I feel like we have nothing, you know? Yeah, I do. You know, and, and that's a great, that's great uh, uh, story about, about what you just said, because that's, I, yeah. you know, it's a, good, it's a great perspective. You know what's uh, uh, another perspective? You know Vincent Van Gogh. Who doesn't know Vincent Van Gogh, right? He, right. Was, he was so autotelic. I think that's the word I'm looking for that they used in this little, little, uh, little documentary thing I saw. It wasn't really a documentary. It was just like a little five-minute thing about Vincent Van Gogh. A lot of people don't right. know he was dirt poor. He lived with his brother. His brother gave him money. And actually, while he was alive, nobody respected his art. Nobody. He just did it because he loved it. But he also wanted to try to make a living at it. But people don't, I don't think many people know that. Like that he wasn't this yeah. big, this big, like sitting on his high horse in a throne paint. He was like super poor. I mean, like just, just doing it because he you know, was following what, he, you know, his dream or, or, or may, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, in the, I wasn't there in the dude's head, but like, you know, right. pro probably trying to make a living at it or be successful at it, but it didn't come to after he was dead and gone. And, you know, it, it's kind of like that. It's like that band death. Totally. Totally. How cool is that documentary? Oh it's my. Incredible. I and never even knew dude, about that band. I would have never known. Neither about did that. I, dude. Neither did I. And like, it's interesting, you know, that, that whole pursuit, because as we know, like, we look at some older bands like Death that never, never got their, their just dues, in, in, in my opinion. And, but it's because of them, the kids that don't even know who they are, however many 30, 40 years later, are able to do what they do, you know? And, yeah. and I said this a lot. I would say this about the adolescents all the time, and, you know, RIP Steve, and, uh, uh, dude, all the time. I, you know, and the adults obviously are respected and revered, but they didn't jump into arenas like all the bands started doing in the late 90s. And, and I've said this a million times. No adolescents, no Green Day. No adolescents, no no effects. And all those bands recognize them and respect, but I don't think the kids understand. You know, and... No, they I'm don't. I'm sure a lot of... Right. And, you know, and, and I don't want to say everyone. I can't generalize everyone, but... And there's people that do, but a lot of kids don't. And a lot of kids that hear those bands have no idea that they're hearing ideas that were created by somebody so long ago. But fortunately, there is cool bands like Green Day and No Effect that have taken those ideas and made them into their own art and their own ideas and put them out into the world. And that goes the same for whether you're uh, listening to bands that got their ideas from Rage Against the Machine or Metallica, you know, all genres. And, 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 you know, and, and I think it carries through, you know, and, and, and at the end of the day, music is music. And, and as you know, with our band, we're kind of, you know, I grew up in punk and all that, but we're kind of a no-genre band. We, we, we embrace punk, we embrace hardcore, we embrace metal, we embrace, we just play what we love to play and uh, what we want to hear. Honestly, dude, 
similar to, to what you do. You know? Well, well, you're and and to the to the people listening, it's Death by Stereo is the band you're talking about, and which yeah, which yeah, you guys yeah, exactly which you guys rock. When we grew up riding, okay, in yeah. school, dudes hated us. Like, right. like, like this is back when it was stoners and jocks at school. There was no like wannabe gangsters, totally. you know, like, like gangster rap yeah. hadn't hit the, hit the underground and the mainstream to where everyone wanted to right. be like, you know, a gangster. Okay. And mm-hmm. so everybody hated us. And so we didn't care. We kind of used it. We fueled the fire. We had fun with it. We weren't going to stop because these guys didn't like us. We were, we were, we were strong minded enough, but we were also punkers to where we were like, that's what punk did. You know what I mean? And Holy. here's a crazy thing to, to kind of uh, comment on what you were saying. Once it hit the mainstream and to television, those same people were like, oh, my God, I went to high school with you. I want you to meet my son. Oh my, and on my head, in my head, I'm thinking, dude. but you're the same dude that <laughs> tried to chase us and beat us down. Yep. Because we rode and yep. now you're bragging to your kids. You went to high school with us. Like, get out of here. But it shows you. Know you funny, a, dude. But see, but what I'm saying, real quick, is with the adolescents, they were before the mainstream said, "Hey, let's market this bad boy." Totally. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right, and and, and it's funny. I feel the same way because I remember being in like junior high and high school, even elementary school, and just I just never felt like I fit in, and I never felt like I could really connect with anybody. And there was just a few kids, and you're right. Everybody hated us, you know. And, you know, uh, clearly not on the level that you were, but I'm going to be a nerd right now and tell you I was everywhere on my bike, too. Sick. You know, and that transition, and, and it transitioned into, uh, into skateboarding and, and right. a whole love of music. And, uh, dude, I remember being in school and these dudes, same thing, they would never talk to me ever. And then our band was so lucky, so lucky, and Epitaph took us into their to their house and, and they put up an epitaph and then next thing you know all these great things were happening and I'd be out in my town I'd be hanging out in Fullerton my hometown and like then all of a sudden like some dude hey bro what's up man I saw you at the warp Tour and I was like man I don't even know your name because you never gave me the time of day well that's people for you you know how it is yeah exactly but all that did was fuel me to go farther Get more punk with it, bro. You know what's up. Exactly. So yeah. I feel just like you. It's always like, hey, man, this and that, this and that. I'm like, Shh, whatever, dude. Hey, you know what? Thanks for listening to my band, dude. I'll see you around. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'll be like, hey, hey, uh, nice to meet you. And tell your dad next time he plays me in Matt Hoffman or Tony Hawk video games, suck it! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Because we didn't quit. We don't quit around here, man. So listen, back to your back to your band, Death by Stereo. Are you the original? You're the only original member left. Is it, am I right here? I, I, I am the only original member, but Dan, our guitar player, was pretty much there from day one. We made a demo, and we wrote all the initial songs, and Dan joined really shortly after that. And so we are basically considered the two original dudes. Technically, it's me, but dude, this band... Dan's heart and soul is a band, and he really crafted a lot of the direction we went in. And and he, I'm not gonna lie, Dan crafted a lot of the direction I went in with my life. My best friend. Oh, that's awesome. And we, we went on this journey together, and he's always been a really inspirational person in my life. And you know, ups and downs. 
with music, you get really high highs, you get super low lows. And at the lowest of the lows, he was always there, always pulled my head out of my ass. Like, hey, dude, it's going to be okay. We just got to get through this tour. The next one will be better. You know, and he always, always kept me pumped. It really inspired me to push myself and be better because that Dan was always the best guitar player I knew. But I watched him just soar as we got older and just watched him progress and watched him just practice with almost, it was almost like an obsession to, to, to just get as good as he possibly could and he's still learning and he inspires me every day still because that dude, I'll tell you right now, he's on tour with his other band, uh, Zebrahead right now that he ended up joining but I tell you right now, he's sitting in the back of their tour bus by himself with headphones on practicing for three hours. That's awesome. You know, and, and the same way you do with your bike and with your music, and I do with my music and all the different projects. And, dude, and that's what Death on Tour has always been about, progression, you know? No, for sure. Speaking of projects, I mean, I know you guys are always busy. You're always doing stuff. I saw something online that you guys have a beer coming out, Death by Stereo dude, Beer. What's up? Dude. So H- hook me up I with the Sixer, so, bro, a 12-pack or something. Oh, I got you covered. <laughs> we, uh, we are really, really fortunate that uh, there's a great friend of ours, his name's Justin, and on, on Instagram, his handle is Beer Pump. Right. And uh, he's, uh, I don't know, I don't know what to call people in the new age of the internet, but I guess a beer influencer. And the uh, people come to him to like, hey, I'm sending you my beer to, re- to review, you know, and he knows a lot about all that. And so Justin approached us and said, hey, uh, I want to take you to a couple breweries and see if there's any interest there and if something sticks, because I think a Death by Cereal beer would be really cool. And we were like, yeah, we think that'd be cool, too. And the, the irony, though, is, you know, our band was always known for, man, we could put them back. And, uh, but, oh, okay, so you, wait, wait, so you guys were known for drinking. Oh, dude, we would party our asses off out there on the road, and we could, we could hang with the best of all the boys. But so this is like a dream is, come true, like friggin' beer sponsor, you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. But here's the funny thing. Now that now that we're all old, the rest of the guys hang really tight. But now I am like the beer once in a while guy. You know? <laughs> that's, that's the irony of it. Like, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I, I, I don't, I really don't drink a ton, but I really appreciate it that it tastes nice and it's great. But, uh, right. The, the other day, <laughs> I was hanging out with Eddie from Voodoo Glow Skulls and uh, and a couple other friends, and uh, I was like, well, oh, all right, I'll have a beer. You know, it's been a long time. It's been a while. So I had one, and I was like, oh, you know, that that wasn't uh, that wasn't too bad. You know, and they're like, well, you could have one more. And I was like, well, I don't know, guys. And so I had two, and holy moly, dude, I was smashed after two years. <laughs> and I said, how, how far the mighty have fallen. I was, and I remember, I looked at Eddie, and I was all drunk, and I was like, man, I used to be really good at this. Well, well, actually, you know what? I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you uh, on the same. I'm on the same page with you because I, I very rarely drink, and and if I do uh, have a couple beers, I'm like good right there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Um, so being able to like not drink a lot is actually a good thing. I think. You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 you're right. Hey, 
yeah, you're, it's actually like really good that you don't drink a lot like that anymore because you know, you know, you know how it is. You know, you know. Totally. Doesn't mean you're a wimp. It just means that like you know, hey, been there, done that. I got to stay focused totally. on what I'm doing. And would I be allowed to play a Death by Stereo song on my show? Absolutely, man. Well, what, what song could we play? Uh, you know what? Uh, our last EP. There's a song on there uh, that I really, really, really like a lot. That uh, there's a guy named Thomas from a band called Strike Anywhere. They're from Virginia, and I'm a, I'm a really big fan of Strike Anywhere. And if you haven't checked them out, you should, dude. They're so good, and he's got such a rad melodic voice, but at the same time, it really cuts through like a razor, you know. And and so we, I, I wrote a song called "They Feed Us Death," and. It's about the modern era of food and how we're being poisoned by our food. And, I mean, Monsanto Farms are growing vegetables that can kill you, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so I wanted to talk about it because I was really inspired a few years ago because I read an article that finally someone stood up to them. There was uh, something went down in Hungary where the government burned down some of their fields. Like, hey, we're not going to allow this. Awesome. And uh, and I was so inspired that, by that that I wrote the song. And I, my friend Thomas, oh, he's such a good singer. And uh, wait, so wait, they they the, so so they make food that wait. So they have a plant in Hungary, but they sell the food here or sell the food there well, they, or they, everywhere. Monsanto, Monsanto grows everywhere, but they're the people that are like making GMO foods and putting chemicals in the foods. We're going to grow the biggest tomato you've ever seen, oh, but gosh. it's poison. It's poison. Right. And, uh, you know, they, I've read articles where they're talking about farm workers getting rashes from picking fruit. You know, like... Wild. It's all bad, man. I, and, and, that's, and, and that's something I can't wrap my head around. How do you screw up fruit? How do you screw up nature, you know? Vegetables. I, I, I was just so inspired, so inspired by hearing that some of the... One government took it upon themselves to burn down those fields. That's incredible. And uh, I just, we can start again. We can make things right. We can change things. It's not too late. I truly believe it's not too late. But we all really need to wake up, you know. And, and I'll tell you what, I, uh, you know, you know how it is for musicians, man. We all have to work in between tours and all that. And I take gigs sometimes. And so I was tour managing a band from Spain. And they were kind of like a... Uh, Wait, what band? Like a, they're called the Pinker Tones. And they're kind of like Weezer, kind of really cool band. And uh, I tour managing them, and we were somewhere in the Midwest, and they were shocked because they come from Europe. Portions are small. A, a small Coke isn't a large. You know, like, they, yeah. they were shocked by what they were seeing. So we pull into this, uh, some kind of diner, and they were like, oh, let's eat. You know, I said, okay. So we go in the diner, and we all sit down, and they're looking at the menu, and, and, and one of the guys looks at me, and he says, there's literally 500 things on this menu. In Spain... There's only a few things on the menu, and they work really hard to make those things so good. And I go, well, you know, okay, cool. And then he's looking at the portions, and he couldn't believe it. So the waitress comes to the table, and they look at her like she was a space alien, because I said, hey, can I get a grilled cheese sandwich? You know, back then I was, I, I don't eat there anymore, but I was eating it then, and I, I, said, I said, I'll take a grilled cheese. And she goes, she goes, okay, well, we got the big boy grilled cheese. It's three slices of bread, 15 slices of cheese, 80 slices of bacon, blah, 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 blah. and I, I go, no, 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 no. Can I just get a grilled cheese 
like two slices of bread and a piece of cheese with some butter, and she goes, oh, you mean like on the kids' menu? <laughs> that's, a, that's, yeah, that's a red flag, dude. That's a, and these dudes are from Spain were looking at me like, what is going on here? You know, like, we've never heard of anything like this. And I just was like, yep, give me the kids' menu. And the kids' uh, menu was a normal grilled cheese like the one you'd make at home. I just, I just think that the food choices that we make are we consume way more as a nation than we actually need to. And um, a lot of it's just a lot of ridiculous, like unhealthy food that you probably wouldn't, shouldn't be eating anyways, you know? Exactly. And you know what? They're, the kids are getting it in their school lunches at school. Like, it, I mean, it's, it's all bad, man. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I make my, you know, I, I, I've always made my kids lunches. And now that oh, my yeah. now that my daughter's going into junior high, she likes she's kind of over the fact that she has to bring her lunch. But I get it. But we've raised her to be really smart and to like her eating habits are really good. So, yeah, the, the school lunches are, are. I mean, it's it's like prison food, dude. <laughs> I mean, not that I've ever been to prison, but I just. But it you know. is pretty much prison food, and it, and it, it served like prison food. I mean, and you know what? Not at all schools, but unfortunately, these days, like, I remember driving back past one of my old schools, and it was all fenced up and all weird. I'm all, that school looks like a prison. That's what school felt like. I mean, <laughs> no, okay, no, totally. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, it, interestingly enough, I know this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, I, I've been trying to, uh, I've said it on stage a bunch of times, and I just want to raise some awareness. A lot of people don't realize that in elementary schools right now, and there's, in California, because as you know, budgets get cut for school all the time, more bombs, less books, you know? And, uh, dude, there's so many elementary schools now that don't have a library anymore. Are you serious? Yeah, last year we did a show at the Slide Bar in Fullerton, and uh, we did a show at Slide Bar, and I said, you know what? No one can get into the show unless they bring a book for a child. And I drove down to my elementary school, I didn't even, I even put it on the flyer, raising books for local elementary schools. I called no school, I called no one to approve it. I drove to my elementary school with 150 books and like a bunch of boxes, walked into the front office and was like, you don't know me, but I know you guys, and here's all these books, please give them to your kids. And they just looked at me like I was a space alien, like what is this weirdo guy in here? And I had a mohawk at the time, and you know, and they're like, who's this weird guy? But then by the end of it, they were like, wow, like no one's ever done that. And I go, that's shocking to me. Wow, that's really cool that you did that. That is shocking. That's in, I mean, yeah. my kids' schools have, still have libraries, so I had no idea that this was going down. This, this, yeah, there, there are schools that libraries got cut. Librarians don't, there's no librarian, and the kids can't take a book home, dude. Like that's a crime. It's just a crime. And so I think we just all need to, Stick together, stay positive, and do what we can. And, like, dude, it's really, when we say it's for the kids, it really is, man. Because, as you know, you're a father. Like, it is all about the kids, and we have to do everything we can to make this world better for them. And Well, yeah. As loud as we can, as long as we can, you know? Well, and also, too, it's to be a, a parent that has some critical thinking. I mean, that's the kind yeah. of key to it of, like, you know, uh, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that we should pack your lunch because this is better for you. And, and be a, a parent to, like, talk to their kids about that stuff and to take the time. I, I get it, man. You know, it's hard raising kids. Um, 
And sometimes people don't, you know, they come home and they don't have the time to do certain things. But uh, those little things go a long ways in educating your kids and stuff. I think that that's amazing that you did that and that libraries should definitely stay. You know, of course, we have phones, but I think you still should be able to sit down to read a book and it doesn't have to be on your phone. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, dude, that experience and that, it's just a different way of absorbing information. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And also, and, and with the new studies and with the proof, too, it's kind of bad for your eyes to stare at your phone for that many hours. To stare at a screen. It's so horrible, dude, too. Have a, exactly. So let's get some books in kids' hands and let's fire up those imaginations and turn that imagination on and open up those futures, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, the, the phones definitely mess your eyes up. You're on you're on the road going going to ride at shows, going to play shows, just sitting on the bus or in the Sprinter or whatever, and you're just reading your phone the whole time. Yeah. Or on your laptop or whatever your media is. But, it's so, but it's so, like, tempting all the time, you know? You know you can go yep. to it and you can be like, yeah. Uh, Oh, what's it's new? It's an addiction, dude. Yeah, it it's is. It's an addiction. I'll tell you what, though. It's a, it's a little overwhelming for me at times. Like, I have my, I go through these phases where I'm really active and I'm on my social media, and then I'll go through phases where, like, you know what? I, I need to, de- to decompress because a human being wasn't meant to take in so much information at once all day. It's overwhelming. Yeah. Well, let's, it, let's, it, it, it is. Everybody has anxiety now. I, I believe that every human being has this underlying anxiety that's been created by this this whole world of chaos, you know? Yo, so let's get to this song, bro. What's up? Okay, this song is off our last EP, which is entitled Just Like You'd Leave Us, We've Left You For Dead. The song is titled They Feed Us Death, featuring Thomas from Strike Anyway.
sick, brah. Woo! Woo! I love it, dude. Everybody, definitely follow Death by Stereo. Definitely go see them when they play in your town or your country. And yeah, uh, you also right. sing in Voodoo Glow Skulls. Yes, which is one of the coolest things that could have ever happened to me. I've all, I, I, I've all, it's, it's such an amazing thing that happened to me. I've always been a, a big fan, and over the years, Voodoo guys were always really kind and cool to Death by Stereo in passing, or we'd see them at a fest. And one night, I was hanging out with the guys from the band DFL, and uh, I was talking to the singer Crazy Tom and the guitar player Monty, and uh, they both were saying, hey, did you hear that Voodoo lost their vocalist? And I remember instantly just feeling bummed out. I was like, oh, that's awful. Those guys are so rad. I hope they're cool. And they said, you know what? You should call them, man. Like, it would be kind of cool. And I said, you know, we're really different, you know, and, and that guy's style is so unique. I don't know if I could pull that. And, and, and I go, you know what? In my mind, I said, I'm just going to write. I'm just gonna, in my mind, I said, I'm just going to write Eddie and wish him well because he's and George, too, because they're just such rad guys and always were so cool to me. So I wrote them on Facebook, like, hey, like, if you guys get it together and, and it keeps going, like, Death by Sherry would love to play with Voodoo. And Eddie just started running back and forth with me, and then it turned into, hey, man, I don't know if it's weird, but if you need a, if you need a feeling, like, I'd love to do it. And he wrote me back with his phone number. <laughs> And wow. I called, yeah, and I called him, and he was like, bro, we had a conversation about you. It was like fate, and I uh, I couldn't believe it, so he's all, here's a million songs, get familiar with them, and come try out. So, dude, I just bombarded myself with voodoo, and dude, it was so challenging, because, dude, Frank is a great singer, and his lyrics are amazing, and the the one thing, he's like, he's like a really fast rapper. Right. His cadence is insane, and he says so much in such a short time that I was like, okay, i got to get better at sounding out my words and being more clear, and I just studied and studied and studied, showed up to their house, and I had like a whole, I sat there and hand wrote all the lyrics to help me get familiar with them, then I typed them all out, and I brought a whole, my whole packet of lyrics, then I just went for it, and, and. They seemed cool with it. They said, hey, if we have a tour coming up, if you can do it, let's see how it goes. And after the tour, they kept me, man. So, awesome. Wait, so wait, let me, let, that, that's amazing. You, so wait, you said something that stuck out to me. You wrote it down. You yep. wrote the lyrics actually down with a pen. Was that because you wanted one. to, uh, every single one, so that was that because you wanted to like feel it more? Because, you know, writing it, you feel things more than typing it. Exactly. I feel like with, with my own lyrics, like after I, when I'm writing them down, like I'll write them down and it's like a blurry page of just mess all over it and ideas and then I will rewrite them, write them really nice. The song changes and I write them again and like they kind of become part of me and I really do feel them and, and, and they, they get burned into my brain. So I was like, I'm going to apply the same thing to Voodoo's lyrics and I really feel like I got inside them and I got to get a really understanding for what they were saying and I learned a lot about them and them as people and their views and their lyrics because, you know, Voodoo's a really fun band. You know, it's a party when you see them play, but I dug deep into it. I, there were so many metaphors 
and so many ideas that I, I never really understood. That they, they, they're fun and they're a party, but they touch on a lot of social things. They touch on a lot of uh, cultural things. They, it, and, and, and it was it, it was a great way for me to really get into their head, you know? I do know, and you have more of a connection. It, is it difficult, because Voodoo had such a a fan base already, and your band had a fan base, and it's very, rare, very, very rarely that lead singers can go from one band to the other unless they start a completely whole new project and be able to pull it right. off. How did you find it to be able uh, to change your, your vocal style to Dude, voodoo compared to death by stereo was that um, obviously that took was, some practice it was so hard and on top of it i kind of had a couple obstacles because i haven't really talked much about it but so kind of right before that all happened i started developing some stomach issues and i had gastrointestinal problems and uh my stomach was getting eaten up by acid and it was a lifetime of being on the road and partying or whatever and i had to change my life and change my diet, and change the way I thought about it. And uh, so you just were having a bunch of like stomach issues. And you said I need to go to the doctor. Like and yeah, and I started seeking out help because dude, I was in pain, man. And and uh, dude, I, I couldn't. I was having trouble digesting things. I was trying to seek out what the problem was. And then, dude, I had so many acids flying all over my body, dude. That when I would sleep, they started washing into my throat. And I kept trying to sing at practice with Death by Stereo and was like, dude, why am I blowing my voice out so fast? This never happens to me. And we went on this tour to Australia, and then we went to Japan right after, and I was so torn up. I mean, more than I'm usually torn up. You know? Right. Because I get torn up, like all, we all do. But it was really <laughs> yeah. affecting me, right? And I was getting, like, sore throats. And so I had to, you know, I, I went to an ear, nose, and throat doctor. I, I, I went, I had an endoscopy, a going off, I, I do, you could have made a really kinky movie with all the cameras they had in me. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, I realized that, you know, that I had, uh, it's similar to gastritis, but a really extreme form of it. And I said, okay, I need to change my life right now. I need to change the way I think about food, everything. And I talked to doctors, I talked to nutritionists, everything. I, you know, and I am a completely vegan. I'm eating a way healthier diet. And, oh, and so you're you're vegan, right? You're vegan right now. Yes, and and it changed my life, dude. And the doctor said, like, literally, a meat eating doctor told me, "You can't handle meat and dairy. It's just not in the cards for you." And I was like, I am all about eating whatever it takes to be better, and I feel better than that food tastes. And that's the way I look at food now. And awesome. Uh, Awesome. You know, and and, uh, and I'm on a, a, it's a slow journey. I'm, I'm pursuing even healthier diet. I, I know what I'm not supposed to eat, but now I know I'm learning what I am supposed to eat. And uh, so all that was affecting my voice because the acids were washing my throat, so I kept losing my voice. So I went to that voodoo audition, and I didn't say anything to anyone. I was like, dude, I don't even know if I can do this. And I went in there, and they were stoked. But when I left, I was in my car going, my throat was shot. And so when I went on that food tour, dude, I was on such a strict regimen of diet and eating and hydration and did everything I could do. And, and what I didn't tell them, dude, which I know long-term it's bad for you, but in the short-term it helped me. Dude, I went and got a cortisone shot and was like, I need to get through this tour, man. And uh, 
Well, that's not. I mean, that's. Is that? Do you think that's a bad thing if they felt like you got that? I know a lot of athletes do that, but I know if you continue to do it, it can be bad. Right. I I I did it the once, and I was scared because I I I didn't know, but I did get the idea because some years back we did a tour of suicidal, and Mike had hurt his back really bad, and so he took some cortisone shots and was like, "Dude, I can go on stage now." Right. I so I remembered Mike, and I was like, "Well." Suicidal is the best hand ever, and if it's good enough for Mike, it's, it's definitely way too good for me, you know? Right. <laughs> so I followed suit, and, and, and it kind of got me through, and there were some nights I was struggling, and I spent every night, and listen, hey, kids out there, I spent every night not drinking, not partying, not putting all that stuff in me. I spent every night after the show drinking hot tea, before the show drinking hot tea, looking up vocal warm-ups for sore throats online and just singing along to him on YouTube backstage. And I did everything I could, and I got through the tour. And I, by the end of that tour, my stomach was doing a lot better. They had me on all these different meds, and through diet, I was able to wean myself down to one med from six meds. And awesome. now I'm only, I'm only on one, and my goal is to by the end of this year to be on no meds at all for my stomach because I'm going to cure myself all through good living. That's awesome, dude. Well... I mean, it's great that you recognized what was going on with you and you went to get it fixed. And if you think yep. about it, voodoo was kind of a blessing in disguise. They pushed me into a, a you're absolutely right. And they pushed me into a, a, a great place in my life. And I did that tour. They kept me. And now here I am a year and three months later. I just played the Surf City Blitz. I, I got to play with the offspring. You know what I mean? In front of thousands of people. It was what? What am I doing there? You know, it's so incredible, man. And, and, and Jeff Meister has done some pretty incredible stuff, dude. And But Voodoo was just always on this next level, man. And I feel honored that they let me be a part of it and that they kept me on. And here we are. Three days ago, I started demoing out my first Voodoo Glow Skull song. Your first song that you wrote the lyrics. Yep. And we're working on a new Voodoo Glow Skulls album, dude. I'm really proud to say that to you too. That's exciting, dude. I'm well. I'm proud. I'm proud for you, dude. That's like a huge move, and 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 progression and moving forward and longevity. Like you know, that's what I like about you, dude. Like you see things that need to be fixed and you fix them. You don't just talk about like, well, this needs exactly. to be done, that needs to be done. You actually fix the problem. You're not eating right, you change it. You're drinking too much, you change it. You do this, you change it because I think you really care about the music. That's what's yeah, up. Yeah, man, because I feel like, and you you understand this too, where we're at in our lives, man, like, I want to sing, dude, and I want to keep doing this. So I really, truly, and now, I have a whole new outlook on it, and uh, it's, it's interesting enough, because there was a while back I had a conversation with you, and you were talking, this was a couple years ago, and you talked to me about PMA, and you were talking to me about all, all these different ideas and theories, and at the time, I kind of wasn't feeling that great, and I walked away from that talk feeling awesome. I think we were standing behind the beauty bar a couple years ago or something and or or wherever we were, whatever that bar is called now, but in that back patio and you had mentioned a few things to me like, hey man, it's not about always one hundred trying to please everyone else. It's about making yourself okay, you know? Yeah. And, and uh and I, I I never got to thank you for that because that was really inspiring to me. And uh Oh yeah uh, dude, I, for sure. Yeah man. You know and I, I I just want to be, I, I'm in that mindset now, and, and, and uh, I feel like every night that I get to be on stage, 
is a gift, and I'm singing for my life. Yeah, well, I you, don't want to let it go. You're inspiring a lot of other people, and you know when I when I talked to you backstage about that stuff, I went through a lot. I went through the ringer. See, like when you when you're right. in, I went I went through a loss of like everything. At the time, you know, finances, sponsorships, uh, marriage, right. house, got two kids, start over, this, that, whatever. And for me, I never drank much. I've never done drugs. So right. I did it like completely sober. And it was the super most challenging thing that I've ever done is to face yourself. To it's really, so hard. really face yourself. Not just say, you yeah. You have a song about that. You have a song about that, a new song about that. Right, yeah, face your shadow. But exactly. It's, and Dude, I know the song. It's, dude, it's crazy that we're talking about this. It's, it's dude, face your shadow. I had to face my shadow. And yeah, recently, man. I've had to face my shadow again. I lost a couple really good friends. I I played for some years on the side in a band called Manic Hispanic that everybody was in different bands. Right. We would come together and play fun shows. And we lost a couple of our brothers in the last couple of years. And I'll be honest with you, it really, it really beat me down. We lost Gabby, and then recently we lost Steve Soto, and it... I felt like I was in such a good place, and it spun me out. And I quietly kind of have been going through it. And you know what? I faced my shadow, dude. And yeah. I feel great. And I can think about my friends and smile now. And someone said this to me the other day. I was listening to one of Steve Soto's songs. And a friend of mine looked at me and goes, Dude, not that long ago. So, dude, she was like, Hey, why do you have a sad look in your eyes listening to that song? And I, and, and I go, Well... Because he's gone. She goes, no, you're so lucky because you have a special friend that can sing to you for the rest of your life. Not everybody gets that. Exactly. And I, dude, it, hearing that gave me such great perspective. And I am lucky. And we are a very unique, lucky group of individuals that are surrounded by creative people and artists and athletes that have created these pathways for all of us to, to take our own journey on and celebrate them and live. And I feel right now, at this point in my life, the most charged I've probably ever felt. You know? Yeah, I do know. And, you know, that's good that you're hyped up because, look, dude, the reality is we all have a short time here on Earth. You know? Yep. And even if people say, oh, you're 60, you're old, you're really not in the big, screen, in the big picture of things. Like, no. Like, the reality is, is that... Everybody has, uh, you never know when your time's going to go. And, you know, when I was younger, uh, my mom, she went through a lot with uh, loss with two of her brothers that died in car accidents, and she was ex I, upset about it. But we used to stay yeah. the night in the graveyard. Now, people go, wow. people go, what? And I'm like, yeah, dude. And I remember first going when I was little, and, and the reason I'm telling you this goes back to the thought of we're only here for a short time, is I remember being freaked out, you know, staying the night in a graveyard. Like I'm not right. even kidding you. Like sleeping there, bro. And then, wow. and then, like, and then I started to go. Like Whoa. we'd go like a couple times and a few times here and there. And then I'd be like, "Oh, so this is where I end up? Oh, I'm going for it." I looked at it as like a oh. motivating thing. Not that death is motivating by any means. Losing anyone listening, don't don't get that twisted. You know, losing no, somebody, I, losing a friend, it's heartbreaking, and 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 I respect you. Your, I, 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 you know, my my condolences. Like, of course, it's totally. all love and respect. But the reality is, for me personally, I was like motivated in the fact that, like, well, if this is where I end up, then I really don't have anything to lose. And I learned, and I looked at it like, thanks for taking me there because that's what put the yeah. fire 
under my ass to go, go for it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's so cool, dude. What a cool story. Yeah, well, well, relating it, thanks, but relating it back to, to what she was saying, is like, yeah, she's right. You know, you have a, you have a friend that you you know, that you love dearly, that you spent time with and that you cherish those times, you know what I mean? Because, unfortunately, we're, we are only here for a short amount of time. You're right, and, and it's all about perspective, man, and sometimes it's hard to see it when you're, when you're in it, but when you come out on the other side, it's amazing, and all I feel is I want to share this with everyone else, you know? like 100%. Like, let's share this light with everybody, dude, and, 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 and that's... that's that's where we come from, man. A creative scene of all kinds of people and all kinds of artists. All of our friends are painters or or, or writers or, or skaters or musicians, you know, and, and it's beautiful, man. Let's celebrate this. Let's celebrate all of it, dude, and, and <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going, you know? Yeah, no, for sure, dude. I love your passion. I love your drive. I love the fact that you're like, you know, you're able to uh, adapt yourself and to, to keep doing what you love to do, which is like called longevity, which is like a huge key to any musician or artist's like health and wealth of why they do what they do. You know what I mean? So like I, re- I respect you. Is there any uh, any websites or Instagrams you want to throw out so the listeners can okay. follow you? You can find us at deathbystereo.com, uh, Death by Stereo Band on the socials, Voodoo uh, Glow Souls on the socials, just just look us up on Instagram. You'll find everything. And what's your pers- uh, and what's your personal Instagram? My personal Instagram is F by Stereo. E S by Stereo. Look me up. Uh, I, I'm on. A, I'm a part of a, a really exciting new podcast that that you were on. Called, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yes, I forgot. It's called it's called, it's called Into the Weeds. Now there's a lot of stoner podcasts or whatever, but this isn't really that. We're trying to advocate and let people know that. We can break down these stereotypes because we live in an era where, you know, I, hey, I'm all about partying and having a good time. If you want to smoke weed all day for fun, I've done it. You know, like, it's great. But what I am trying to say is more so that there's sick people getting the free medicine that they should have always had. Right. You know, I, and I'll give you a good example. My mom suffers from osteoarthritis. She's, she was stuck on her couch. And my mom would have never, never touched herbs, you know, at all. And this, and my mom's an older Mexican woman, and there's a lot of stereotypes involved in that, too. So it's, it's, it's hard, for, hard for her, it was hard at first for her to wrap her head around. And they kept giving her these pills. Take these pills, and you'll be able to walk around and be happy. But she wouldn't take them, because she knew they would destroy her. She was living in pain. So one day, I gathered up all the information I could, printed all this stuff on the internet, found a couple documentaries, went to her house, said, Mom, I'm tired of watching you suffer. You're always one of the most active, healthiest women I've ever known. You're my hero. Please look into this for yourself. I'm not going to tell you anything. And I came back, and she looked at me and said, I guess I've been being lied to all these years. I said, absolutely, Mom. Now my mom grows and makes her own oils that she puts on her knees and all her joints. My mom's up and at them. My mom was out having having breakfast with her, her little gang of friends this morning, you know? She's happy and healthy. Now, these solutions exist for all kinds of ailments. And uh, people with cancer, I wish when I was young and my dad was dying of cancer, he would have had cannabis to help him with his pain, you know? And it's not even just about getting high. So we're trying to break down stereotypes. We're trying to have fun. Right. You know, and cannabis is something different to everyone. And so that's the point of the Into the Weeds podcast. And you came on, dude, and, and you shared your opinions on it, too. 
We've had right. straight-edge people. We've had sober people. We've had full-on stoner party guys. You know, and, and dude, all I know is that no one's ever died from it. <laughs> and, and, and it's only helped. And, well, uh, well, I mean, I, I look, I don't smoke. But exactly. but at, at the same time, I feel like, yeah, growing up, I think that they, they being the, the pharmaceutical heads, probably knew that this was like natural and, and came from the ground and had this, it could help. But they, they, they couldn't market it because they'd be like, well, what if everybody just grows their own? We won't make any money. And totally. Now that they've, that, you know, they found a way to regulate it and make money off of it, all of a sudden now it's legal. Oh, it's cool now, right? And in my head, I'm like, wait a second. Like, to me, when you deal with drugs, it would be a person like in a white apron with the gas mask and uh, yeah. and these beakers experimenting what you would do in chemistry class. You know, like so. So, not to get it twisted, I, I don't smoke, but I'm not against it. I think that it also. I think that it definitely has like a same with the C, CBD oil has a lot of effects for people uh, that helps them with pain. I think, you know, it's just like drinking, man. If you go to the bar every day and that's all you do is drink, you probably should probably do something different and chill out and fix that problem. If all you do is sit around and smoke weed all day and don't do anything else, that's, that's a problem. You should probably do something else with your life. That's just, totally. my, that's just my opinion. No, I get it because I've been there, dude. I've been there in my life where I was just neck deep in it. And, I was, and now I'm looking back at it going like, man, I could have just been having fun. I didn't need to like just lay there all day. Oh, you know? Yeah, they're, they're, the, the, the stereotypes are definitely, yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, the stereotypes are being broken, which is like definitely uh, uh, a good thing, you know? And I, I think that only... It's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think that that's cool that you guys are doing that, and thanks a lot for having me on it. And that, that website, again, is called Into the Weeds. Um, well, it's the show called Into the Weeds. The website is getintotheweeds.com. On Instagram, we're at Get Into the Weeds. And I'm actually... Okay. In, okay. Uh, right when we're done here... I'm, dude, I'm so excited, dude. We're getting ready to go to Vegas with the podcast, and we're going to interview Zendog. And wait, interview who? Zendog from Cypress Hill. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in the brain. Dude, the best. I am, oh, lifelong fan. So, dude, I'm nerding out because we're getting to talk to people like you, Zendog, Billy from Biohazard, Money Mark from the BCs. Dude, it, it's been so such an incredible experience. We're coming up. We're gonna we're gonna uh, uh, interview Rumble Johnson, like uh, a famous fighter. Like I'm meeting all these people that oh, cool. I've always thought were the coolest people in my whole life, and get to hear their opinions. And it's cool. Like having Billy from Biohazard on was amazing. He's straight edge. Oh, he's yeah. And Billy's great. Yeah, but you know what? He, he's a as you know one of the most intelligent guys I know, one of the most driven guys I know. And he came on and was like, "Dude, what is wrong with this? Nothing." It's not for me, just like you were saying. It's not for me, but yeah. why Why would I stop someone else from getting what they need, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's that's a whole, like, I think that that's finally been proven, you know? Like, it, you, you, you hit it, you said it earlier, like, no one's ever died from it. Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's count that. Everyone dies from pills. Or drinking. Absolutely. And, and, I mean, so, let's be real. And people, as we know, everyone self-medicates. It's very common, and I, I, I'll be honest, Whether whatever your deal is, if you're self-medicating, I'd rather have you taking some that's not going to kill you, man. If, if it's making you eat 50 pizzas, at least you're not taking pills. 
<laughs> Without a doubt. I think the word we're looking for with anything is balance. And I, I, have a, I have a hard time with balance when it comes to riding music, playing music, riding bikes, expressing myself right. to where I don't sleep at night. I, I, I don't have a healthy balance when it comes to creative art. Well, because me and you don't say no. We're open to receiving all these gifts. Right. And, and, and we keep receiving them, and we're like, you know what? I, I, I'm like, the same what you just said. I, we have a short time. I'm trying to live my life to the fullest, you know, and I've taken everything on. And as far as art and creativity goes, yeah, we're, we're unbalanced, but we're finding the balance between the rest of life and art. So it, it, it's cool. Dude, it's way cool. I'm so stoked that you came on the show. Brother, much love to you. I wish you success in everything you do. You're a positive. Much love all day, likewise. Positive dude, man. Thanks a lot for being on the show. And uh, uh, to all the listeners, thanks for listening. Definitely check out Death by Stereo, Voodoo Glow Skulls, and Get Into the Weeds podcast, Ephraim, you're the bomb. Dude, you're the best. Rick Thorne, my friend, since 2001, dude. 2001, <laughs> we met in the Heathrow Airport in the magazine shop. And I'll never forget that day. And you always stay true. It always helps me and always my friend, dude. I got your back for life, bro. Much love, brother. I appreciate it. Nothing but love, dude. Okay, have a good, have a rad day, bro. Peace out, everybody.